0: Good morning. It's great to be here once again. Before we start, shall we just pray? Father, we thank you that you indeed love us. And we thank you that you are with us. We thank you most of all that you so loved us that you sent your one and only Son. Lord, you sent him as our Saviour. And all you ask of us is for us to have faith to believe in him. And once we do that... You say that he's done it all. And we now can stand up as sons and daughters of you, the living King, the author and creator of the universe. Father, help us to grasp that truth of who we truly are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last time I preached, I started Romans 8. And it was the intention that I would uh, go through the entirety of Romans 8. Um, But that wasn't the case, we only got halfway through it, Um, time got ahead of us, and so I'm here to complete the rest, hopefully, the rest of Romans 8. Um, It's important for us to understand the context of any passage of scripture, but especially this one. Um, Romans 7 precedes it immediately, and that addresses those who still want to be under the law. We all know Christians who say, yes, I'm saved by faith, but now that I'm in Christ, I still want to subjugate myself, subject myself to the law. And so Paul in Romans 7 uh, addresses and says, well, okay, if you want to subject yourself to the law, you have to subject yourself completely to the law. And there is no way possible that you can fulfill the law for your own righteousness. And in fact, um, he goes on and he says, look, there's nothing wrong with the law. The law is spiritual. The law is given to us by God, but we are fleshly. And we in ourselves cannot do it. Um, And in verse 24, it says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Because I strive and I strive for my own righteousness. I strive and I strive to fulfill the things of the law. And yet I constantly fail because I know I am not good enough. Because my flesh lets me down. And verse 25, he answers the question and he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I thank God, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, because he did and has and continues to deliver us from all things. And so this is where we then find ourselves in Romans 8. And Romans 8 is really him going on and saying, yes, okay, Jesus Christ has delivered you. Now let me talk about what he has delivered you from. Let me talk about what he has delivered you to. Let me begin to tell you and just scratch the surface of who you are because of your deliverance in Jesus Christ. And it's important that we remember that this is about who we are, our identity in Jesus Christ, and also the benefits that we have as we rise up and grow up in the knowledge and understanding of, Of our identity. Jesus Christ completely changes our identity the minute we put our faith into him. We go from being a sinner. To a saint. To an adopted person. In jesus christ an adopted son or daughter we go from being a sinner to a co-heir with christ jesus we go from being a sinner someone who's not even allowed in the throne room of the living god to being someone who can sit at the right hand of the father in jesus christ that is our identity and it's important and paul is encouraging us to rise up with our identity in who we are in jesus christ leaving behind who we were And leaving behind the requirements that we thought we had to continue to fulfill over and over again. And last week we looked at some of the things that we find, some of the benefits that we find in Jesus Christ. And one of them is that there is now no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Nothing can condemn you because in Jesus Christ all of your sins have been punished, have been paid for. And you no longer walk in condemnation. And some people will say, ah, oh, the Spirit comes to convict us of our sins. The Spirit of God will condemn us when we're singing." That is not scriptural. That is not biblical. The Spirit of God will come and convict us as believers, it says, of our righteousness, of who we are, of the very identity that Jesus Christ has given us. And so when you come subjected by condemnation, that is not of God For God has set you free from that. And you walk in the freedom of Jesus Christ with no condemnation. And that's important for us to realize as sons and daughters of the living God that we do not live under condemnation because condemnation will bind you. Condemnation will bring fear. Condemnation will bring you down and you'll start to look at yourself and you'll start to say, I am not good enough. I am not good enough. And the truth of the matter for us to be as righteous as we are, Do you want to know what? We're not good enough. And let's just embrace that. Let's embrace the fact that we're not good enough. And that is why Jesus Christ came. And that is why he came and he liberated us. And we can now walk in no condemnation. We also looked at Christ in us. And this is, we looked at the first part of this. And the Christ in us looks at, he will give life to our flesh It says the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the death will give life to our mortal bodies. And we went in and looked at some of the Greek words that were used there. And he wants to, again, I want to use this word. He wants to liberate us. He wants us to rise up in the person that we have and take on the benefits we have in Jesus Christ. We just took communion. And communion, if we go back to Isaiah 55, I believe it is, he says... You know, he bore our stripes. He was beaten beyond human likeness that we may have his wholeness, that we may walk in his goodness. There is healing in Jesus Christ, physical healing, and we looked at that. And when you walk in the identity, when you rise up liberated in the identity that you have in Jesus Christ, not being condemned, of refusing that, but looking to Jesus Christ by faith in the hope that he has given us, nothing can stand against us and we have the ability to walk in wholeness and walk in healing. And it's interesting that I say that today because I stand before you with a cold trying to take over me uh, for the past week. And you say, well, how does that match reality? How does that match the truth of scripture? And my voice sounds croaky and I've had a runny nose, but every time that I have actually... Pray, committed it to Jesus and prayed about it, the symptoms have gone away and have lessened. I've told you before about how I ride on the bike and my sh- shoulder started to ache this week and again, but Jesus had healed that. And as we were riding along, I was praying to myself, Jesus, you have subjected this body. Body, come into line with the truth of Jesus Christ. You are whole, you are healed you have no pain. We, we are pain-free because of Jesus Christ. And within minutes, I notice I go away suffering with the sore legs of riding and stuff. And I come back mentally and I go, my, my shoulder is healed. I, there is no pain. And every time we subject everything to Jesus Christ, it is about this constant remembering who we are in Jesus Christ. And that brings us on to the third Part that I want to look at. And can I just say, Romans 8, I am skipping so many things about our identity. There is so much here. It talks about we have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of adoption. And I haven't intended to go into that, but as I was reading it this morning, I think it's really important that we realize. That the spirit of fear is not being given to us. And so if there are things in your life that you are fearful of, that is not of Jesus Christ. Subject that to Jesus Christ and walk in his peace and his truth. The kingdom of God, it says later on in Romans, Romans 14, I think, 14, 14. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy. And so if you are experiencing fear in your life, Whatever fear that is, in whatever area, whatever capacity, whether it's work, whether it's home life, whether it's relationships with your husband and wife or with the kids or whether your kids are going off somewhere and you're experiencing fear in that, that is not of God and bring it before Jesus Christ so that you can experience His peace. Subject the situation and the people to Jesus so that you walk in His peace and in His joy and experience that. Because you have not been given a spirit of fear, it says in here, but a spirit of adoption. And that again speaks to the very nature of who we are in Jesus Christ, who we are in Jesus Christ. And we hear it time and time again, people saying we are sinners. We're a bunch of sinners who come to worship Jesus. The truth is we are not. We were, yes. But we are not anymore. The truth of the matter is we are his sons and his daughters. We have been taken from the prison of sin and been placed in a resort of righteousness. And that is who we are. We have been adopted and we cannot be adopted in, by the father, by the king, of all, the author of all creation unless we are pure, unless we are cleansed, unless we are perfect, unless we are righteous. And it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we are clothed in. It is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I'm reminded of the parable um, of the boy whose father owned the farm and he went away. He said, give me my inheritance now. I want I want everything. And so the father said, okay, here you are. And he walks away and he goes and he spends it on things of the world. And he ends up destitute and, he, and poor. And he says... Here I am eating the slops of the pigs. Even my servants at home, at my father's house, get fed better than this. Maybe if I go back and put myself as a servant, maybe I'll get food. And so even his intention to come back to the father was about worldly stuff. It was, I want food. Where can I find food? I might go home and I might get fed. It wasn't this, sometimes we paint this picture that it was this righteous enlightenment. I'll go back and I'll... It wasn't. He was going, I'm eating slops. The servants at home get paid, get fed better than this. Maybe I'll get a good decent feed if I go home. And he comes home and his father sees him off in a distance. And was it? what does he do? He runs out. And I heard Sonny preach about this at one time. And he puts a cloth around him and puts a robe on him. And that is a picture and a symbol of Jesus Christ, the Father in heaven, clothing us with his righteousness and putting his righteousness around us that we be clothed in it. And that is how he sees us completely righteous because of the Son, Jesus Christ. And I say it a lot. You are the most righteous person who has ever walked the face of the earth. That is the truth of it. And it's got nothing to do with what you have done or have not done, but everything to do with Jesus Christ and your faith in him. And there is no one who is more righteous than that. So none of that was in the sermon. So maybe we should uh, get back to it, because otherwise we will run out of time once again. So I want to read to you, and I was saying earlier to someone, um, this next bit that I shared is something that I only discovered about three or four years ago. I've read this passage of scripture, I've read Romans, and it never really jumped out to me. And isn't it good when God just brings another truth home? And in fact, you get filled with joy, and that's the joy of Jesus Christ, exposing more of himself to you. So let's read Romans 8, verses 19 to 21. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God for the creation was subjected to futility not willingly but because of him who subjected it in hope because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty glorious liberty of the children of god verse 19 For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing, or if you actually rework that according to the Greek word, it can be for the rising up of the sons of God. Creation eagerly awaits for the rising up of the sons of God. That's a verse or passage that I used to just skip through. kind of didn't make sense to me for some time. What's this talking about in the context? I, I didn't see it. Until one time, as I said, I was reading it, and all of a sudden, a light bulb came on. And if we go back to Genesis 128, just briefly, Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. it says this, "Then God blessed them, so he's just created man and woman. Then God blessed them and said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it." have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is an interesting uh, and often misunderstood passage of Scripture because of the way that the Hebrew is being translated or because of our understanding of the modern day use of those words. The word subdue and have dominion over it. We often think of that as though if we subdue something, and this is because of the fallen world in which we, we think and operate, it's like we're putting a thumbprint on it, and we're subduing it, and we're pushing it down to conform into what we want it. You know, often you'll hear guys joke about, um, oh, I can see your wife's thumbprint on your forehead. And that's meaning, wow, you only do what your wife allows you to do. You're not really who you are, but you've got her thumbprint you've been subdued she's got dominion over you and you're pushing you've been pushed down and you're not allowed to flourish i don't joke that about my wife can i just say but often you will hear that you see but if you look at the hebrew words there the hebrew word to subdue and have dominion um i'm not going to try and pronounce them but really what it is talking about is to reign to rule over to cause it to dominate Allow it to flourish. It's actually the same root word for it to have brightness and splendor and beauty. So it's what, Jesus, what God the Father was saying when he walked with Adam and Eve, and he said, I want you to rule and dominate over this creation, to allow it to flourish, to allow its splendor and its brightness to shine forth. To allow it to grow in the freedom and liberation in which I have created it. I want you to tend after this garden, allowing it to become fruitful. I want you to be there to see creation flourish. You see, that was the charge that was originally given to man. To allow creation itself to flourish. But, as we experience not too many chapters later sin entered the world and sin brought bondage not only of mankind but sin brought bondage also into creation itself and it has been waiting for us to rise up that it could once again be liberated and once again flourish and it's interesting that i'm preaching on this this morning and last night we had three earthquakes not too far from here and some of you may have felt the earthquakes. Uh, I know I was sitting in my couch uh, and we didn't hear it, feel it too bad. But I actually stopped and went, do we have mice in our chair? Because it started shaking. And, uh, but it wasn't. It was the earthquake. We had, a, we had three earthquakes. I think one was a 4.9, one was a 5.3 and one was a 3. Point something uh, up at Norseman. And it's interesting. And this morning as I was refreshing um, myself about the sermon and thinking about it uh, and the earthquake I remember preaching a sermon in Frankston, Victoria, many years ago, where I talked about how earthquakes um, would become more and more prevalent the closer that we get to Jesus' time. And someone afterwards challenged me and said, look, so that means year on year we're going to have an increase in earthquakes. I just can't see that happening. And I went, look, that's fair enough. I'm just basing it on what I see in Scripture. Um, Time will tell and we'll see. Since then, I've actually been tracking earthquakes, um, as one of other things, and uh, we have seen over the past 10 years exponential, exponential increase in earthquake activity. You know, I also, part of uh, who I, who collates all of this information, also collates how many volcanoes are happening worldwide. I used to think that volcanoes were about two to three, maybe five a year. Very ignorant. Did you know that there's about two to three to five every day happening around our world? Did you realize that? No. Did you know that Jesus said that when he comes back, we will see these things happening more and more? I'm convinced we're getting closer and closer to Jesus coming back. And this passage of scripture that we're looking at in Romans will be fulfilled when Jesus comes back because that is when we will truly rise up but as with all as with most of scripture there is a, a then yes you know we will be completely glorified when we are with Christ Jesus but there is we are also glorified now you know and in the same way creation waits eagerly cries out for the sons of men to rise up and yes, that is talking about the time the day when Jesus comes back, but it is also talking about today. It is also talking about today that creation itself is eagerly crying out for you and I to rise up in who we are in Jesus Christ, to assume the our identity and to walk in the identity, to take on and embrace the righteousness that we've been given in Jesus Christ, and creation around us will be liberated will start to flourish again, will start to come under the subjection, under the dominion of what it was originally meant to be. And I know this is hard to actually say what. So if I walk in the righteousness of faith and if I walk in the hope of Jesus Christ, then creation itself will change. This is tough. This is a hard word for us to understand. But Romans 10.10, and I want to link these two, says, for with the one heart... Uh, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With the mouth, when we speak, there is power in words. And when we rise up in the identity of who we are Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, wearing the, and knowing full well that we are righteous, our words that we speak are the words of the Father. They are aligned with his. And salvation is brought not only into our lives, not only into our bodies, not only into the people around us, but also into creation. There is liberty there. And I want to share some stories to reiterate this point. Some of these stories you may have already heard before. I may have shared them. I have a friend who teaches ministers on our identity, and he goes into third world countries predominantly, and he's teaching the ministers, and he, he ministers to many ministers and goes over there and he was meeting on this island, um, a little island in North, northeast Asia, and he was actually teaching them on Romans 8. And this island was an island that was constantly, year after year, was devastated by typhoons that would come through. And it was an impoverished island now because they were in an agricultural island Um, and every year, about the same time as the harvest was ready, a typhoon would come through and obliterate it. Year after year, typhoon after typhoon, and they had turned from being quite a prosperous, uh, well-to-do, an island that certainly was not in poverty to one that was in subject poverty, abject poverty, who had nothing, couldn't even grow their own crops because the typhoons would come through. Anyway, my friend went and teached, taught, sorry, taught on Romans 8. And he left. And as he left again, it was the time where the harvest was to be ripened. And these ministers heard that a typhoon was coming once again. And they rose up as one. And they went, this, we cannot stand for this. Because you and I, we are brothers. We are sons of the living God. And creation is crying out for us to rise up. And they went to the shoreline in the direction, facing the direction that the typhoon was coming, and they spoke to the wind. They spoke to the storm, and they said, you no longer have any permission or authority in Jesus Christ to come onto this land. And they spoke truth to it in the power of Jesus Christ, and they went home, and they went to sleep. And that night, that typhoon, which was going to be one of the worst that had hit their island, had completely petered out. They were able to reap in their harvest. Do you know what, though? That island has never, ever been hit by typhoon again. That island has gone from being in abject poverty to one that is getting back on their feet. Why? Because some men and women rose up in the identity that they have in Jesus Christ. And it changed the destiny of that island because creation has to come under subject, the subject of Jesus Christ. How good is that? How good is that? I've shared this one before. I know that during the worst storms that we had in Western Australia up to that point in time, the uh, worst fires here in Esperance, um, we were praying as a family. And my son, and he doesn't normally pray like this, Uh, we decided that we were going to sit down and pray for Esperance. And he prayed powerful words, and I won't forget these words. He said, Jesus, I thank you for the rain that you have sent to help our firefighters. That is claiming it by faith. This was my six-year-old. This was Xander, my six-year-old son. I thank you for the rain that you have sent. Now, those words struck a chord with me. And afterwards I went and checked my weather app on the phone and there was no cloud, there was no rain in sight. Within half an hour the rains came and started to assist the firefighters just as he proclaimed in Jesus Christ. Interestingly enough, we've talked about that and just this week, Caleb, my oldest son, we were praying for, for healing for someone and I can't remember who it was now, but he prayed those words again, Father, I thank you that you have They are starting to pray in the authority of Jesus Christ. They are starting to align their prayers with the words and we are starting to see, based on these little kids, and it's not just my children, it's other people as well, are starting to rise up and we're starting to see illness, sickness, creation itself come under the authority of Jesus Christ and start to be liberated. A couple of years ago, i did this thing with our family and we got two seeds uh they were bean shoots beans bean seeds bean shoot seeds um, little things that grow shoots and we put them two seeds we had them we got two identical bowls we put two identical amounts of cotton wool ball into those bowls put the same amount of water into those bowls and then we put the seeds on top and just pushed them down into it so there was lots of water and then in our kitchen We've got a window over our kitchen and we put one on the left-hand side and one on the right-hand side. Same amount of sun comes in that window. And we wanted to address this point about how creation itself is waiting for us to rise up and the power that we have in our very words. And I said to our children, I said, we believe in Jesus Christ. They went, yes. Uh, we're, we're his adopted sons. Yes. All right. I said, I want to tell you a truth about scripture. And I, I spoke about this and I said, but I want to prove it to you. I said, we've got two shoots here, two seeds. I said, every time you walk past this one, I want you to pronounce a blessing upon it. I want to say, I want you to say something like, um, you are, are, are God's creation and you will flourish and prosper. You will grow strong. You will grow quickly and strong. And they used their own words. And this one over here, I want you to put a curse on it. You are useless, you are no good, you will become nothing. So every time the kids or I or my wife Natalie walked past, we'd pronounce blessing and a curse. Within two weeks as they started to sprout up, this one here sprouted up much, much quicker came up much quicker came up as it continued to grow it grew and it grew and it grew and it got to the point where i thought at some point it's going to wilt and fall over because the weight of it is too much and it continued to grow strong this one over here took much longer to grow and as it grew it started to wilt it couldn't even hold its own support it didn't get beyond that height this one over here was this height we proclaimed Blessing and we proclaimed curse. Everything else was the same. Creation itself is awaiting for the sons and daughters of God, those who have been adopted by the Father to rise up in their identity and proclaim the power that we have in Jesus Christ. Did you know um, that research has even shown that cows that listen to praise music... Cows that listen to praise music will produce 16% more milk. Right? This is scientific. This isn't just something that's, you know, well, you could take it. This is scientific. It also shows that classical music um, will produce 12% more milk in cows. So praise music is sixteen percent, classical music is twelve percent, uh, rock music. If they listen to that production, actually goes backwards. So it says something about rock music, doesn't it? Um, then, you know. So these things actually have a profound impact on creation itself. This is exciting news. Creation is waiting for the sons of God to rise up, that it may enter into the glorious liberty of the children of God. It is crying out for us. The earthquakes, the volcanoes, they are groans. They are waiting with either eager anticipation for us to rise up. And it doesn't take many. The men on the island in Southeast Asia, or Northeast Asia, I think, sorry, who went out, it wasn't many. It was but a few. And creation is waiting for the few to rise up. This is good news, is it not? And as we rise up in our new identity, creation will see the liberation. Not only are our bodies liberated, but so is all of creation, especially that which is around us. When we rise up, when we walk in faith, liberation and liberty is the result. Not by our efforts, but by him who dwells in us, by him who shines through us. By him who clothes us in his righteousness. By him who gives us his joy as we continue to grow in him. By him who gives us his shalom, his peace in all things. Liberation results. And again, I've run out of time. But go through and read the rest of Romans 8 in your own time. Romans 8 verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. He helps us in our weaknesses in all things. And if time permitted, I actually would go on and talk about how all things work together for our good, not because we're anything special, but because we are His. And He will ensure that if someone puts a curse on you, He will turn it around for your blessing." was listening to someone talk about that he had a satanist ring him up and the satanist rang him up and he said we are coming to get you and the minister he said oh tell me about what you're going to do because he understood this truth and he said and the satanist pronounced curse after curse after curse on him and he said thank you so much this is over the phone i really appreciate that because did you know that my God has promised that any time someone curses me, he'll turn it into a blessing, that he will use all things for good. He said, tell me, do you have anything else you want to say to me, please? Because I'm happy, I'm writing these down. And as he got off, he took the curses and he said, what are the opposite of these? And he turned them into a blessing and he would pray that blessing over himself. And he prayed for the Satanist. And did you know, in three months, three months later, that Satanist rang him back and he said, you might not remember me, but I rang you up. As a Satanist, I cursed you. He said, yes. He said, I just want to let you know that since you rang up, my life has not been the same. I've been so blessed, so abundantly blessed. He said, is there anything else you want to say to me? He said, said, that phone call and the way that you responded to me took all of the power away from me. He said, I have been thinking about that phone call and I have realized subsequently that Satan has no power, but the Father in heaven has all power. And he said, we were at a coven meeting myself and a number of other Satanists and we were doing this stuff and Jesus Christ appeared to us and we all got saved and we are now all going to church. And Jesus Christ will turn all things for good, not only for us, but those in which we are interacting with as well. This is good news because of who we are, because of who Christ Jesus has made us. He talks about... Who can be against us in verse 31? If Jesus Christ is for us, who can stand against us? You know, this is a truth that we need to embrace because it links back to we have not been given a spirit of fear. Nothing can stand against us in Jesus Christ when we rise up in the identity of who we are in Jesus Christ. In verse 32, it says, He will give us freely all things. And it actually says, If he did not hold back his Son... His most precious. He's the thing that he would hold most dearly. If he did not hold him back for us, he will not hold anything back for us. He will freely give us all things that we need. And in fact, it says that we have been predestined and predestined, we'll look at this next week, are those people who, re- he's predestined all people who respond in faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, for those he is predestined, these he also calls. So when you respond, he's called you. And then it says, he also justifies. So not only does he predestine you by when you make your choice by faith, he calls you, he justifies you, and those he justifies, he also glorifies. So there is an image there that says, do you know what? He has predestined you for glory. And if he calls you, he will equip you. And he's made you righteous and he has glory in store for you. Rise up in the identity that you have in Jesus Christ. And then in verse 37, it talks about how we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. And you may have heard this illustration, and I'm really ripping through all of this. You know, a a conqueror is someone who goes out into battle and wins. Someone who is more than a conqueror is like if I go out and I take on Mike Tyson in a boxing match and I win, And I come home and I'm bloodied and I'm bruised. And I come home with the belt. I know Mike Tyson isn't no longer the heavyweight champion of the world, but I don't know who he is. Um, I don't follow boxing. And I come home with the heavyweight title, belt. And my wife stands at the door and she says, oh, thank you. And she takes it off me. I give it to her. She is more than a conqueror. I was the conqueror. Jesus Christ is the conqueror. He conquered and he has given us all things. He has given us everything. So you and I are more than conquerors. You see, it's not about what we do or how we face the enemy. It is what Jesus has done and how he has already defeated the enemy that makes us more than a conqueror. You see, this is what we have in Jesus Christ. And as you can see, I probably could have broken that down into many more sermons. But let me... Just finish by reading verses 37 through to 39. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is how much he loves you. He loves you so dearly and so desperately that he gave you his son so that you could become adopted into his family. And all he wants of you is to embrace that adoption, embrace your identity, to rise up. And as you rise up knowing who you are in Jesus Christ, then liberty and liberation and freedom follows in all things. It's good news, isn't it? This is the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we give you glory. We give you glory and praise for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice, which allows us entry into your family, into your kingdom. Father, pray that this week you will continue to remind us of our new identity that we have in Jesus Christ, of the righteousness that we have. Father, remind us that even creation is crying out, calling out in eager anticipation for us to rise up in our new identity because it too wants to be liberated, as do those people around us who do not know you yet. Their souls are desperately crying out, And Father, I just pray that this week as we walk in our new identity, that we will not only see liberation in creation, but we will see liberation in the souls, in the community, in the households of the people of Esperance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.